Following a huge collapse in revenue, particularly from international students, universities across the country find themselves at a historical crossroads. Up to 21,000 jobs may be lost in the coming months. A potential showdown and a potential showdown looms between the boards of management and academic staff. Also looming is a possible civil war within the National Territory Education Union itself. The leadership is proposing sacrifices be made in order to save workers from potentially even greater sacrifices. A jobs protection framework is soon to be voted on by the union membership. It will entail wage cuts of between 5 and 15%, but according to the union, that will mean thousands of jobs will be saved. We're joined on the line now by Nick Everett, a member of the Murdoch NTU branch committee. Nick is involved with a rank-and-file campaign calling for a no vote on the jobs protection framework. Nick, firstly, what's the alternative here? What is the no vote and no concessions campaign? Um, Well, I guess firstly I need to explain what the proposals are being put forward by the NTU's national leadership. So in response to the quite dire situation you've outlined, uh, negotiations have been underway since March between the NTU National Executive and Universities Australia, the peak body of of our 40 Australian universities. And those negotiations, unfortunately, were kept secret from the membership. So uh, we got um, some idea that this might be happening um, in early April from an email from the Union National Secretary to members that floated the possibility of um, significant wage cuts and cuts in other conditions Uh, and then our worst fears were confirmed actually on Easter Sunday uh, when the Federal Education Minister gave a press conference and informed us that the union leadership was talking to universities about precisely these things Um, and the outcome of those negotiations was announced on Wednesday in what's called a National Jobs Protection Framework. And amongst the cost-saving measures that would be allowed to by universities under this framework are cuts of up to 15% uh, in annual salaries for workers through a combination of um, reductions in hourly rates of pay and reductions in working hours, um, none of which would be possible for universities in our current uh, enterprise agreement. So that's one of the measures. Um, there are other clauses within our enterprise agreement which, while weak, um, require universities to consult with us about major change and uh, redundancies, and uh, these clauses would be taken out of the enterprise agreement in favour of a, um, a, a, a different system of consultation that would be much more rushed. So from the perspective of the Vote No campaign, um, our immediate task is uh, urging members of the union throughout the country to reject this uh, framework put forward by the NTU leadership, which we believe um, basically wouldn't achieve any of its stated aims of protecting jobs and uh, would um, result in wage cuts, which while um, supposedly a temporary measure, um, will basically um, put us in a much worse position uh, in terms of defending both our conditions of employment in the future and our rights as union members. Now, in regard to the wage cuts and, I guess, to play sort of devil's advocate here, what, what do you say to the argument that academics should make do with a pay cut, that essentially they're unlikely to win any sympathy with the wider public as there is this sort of perception that academics are very privileged and well-paid? Now, while obviously that's a bit of a tired old cliche, uh, unfortunately it remains very, uh, a very prevalent one throughout the community. Yep. 
Well, um, I think it may, that may be the case, but uh, basically there is a mythology uh, um, about the university workforce has simply been well-paid, tenured academics. In fact, most people who work in universities um, are uh, called professional staff who are, who are not actually academic teaching staff, and I'm one of those myself, and their wages um, are not at all high. Um, so just to give you an example, a... Um, a level four um, uh, professional staff employee at a university um, could be on an income of around a salary of around sixty five thousand dollars a year. Um, I'm taking that just as an example. That varies a little from campus to campus, um, and a fifteen um, percent wage cut um, would be very uh, substantial um, on that salary. Uh, so. Um, uh, this is an across-the-board pay cut. It's not just a pay cut for um, tenured academic staff. Uh, we have um, fixed-term staff. We have um, uh, staff who are um, admin workers who um, who will all be affected uh, likewise. Um, and the jobs that um, this would supposedly save are those of casual staff uh, who teach on a sessional basis. Uh, but many of those casual staff have already been told by universities that they uh, won't have work next semester. And from our point of view, we're just not satisfied that this framework compels universities to spend that cost-saved monies on uh, hiring more casual staff. Universities are run like corporations today. They'll make their own decisions about how they use funds from cost-saving measures. And nothing in this um, agreement, in our view, um, will change, fundamentally change that and cha change that power equation where we can simply compel universities to um, hire more staff. Certainly, and, and you've already touched on it there, but obviously casualisation is a huge problem within uh, broader Australian and perhaps uh, global neoliberal society, uh, but universities are increasingly casualised, and as you mentioned there, that a lot of the, the seasonal teaching and, and other staff are very much on casual contracts. How much is that playing into these negotiations? And more importantly, how organised are the casual members of the NTU in, in this campaign? Yeah, I think that's a very important question. Um, just to give a snapshot of who casual um, workers are on universities, uh, there are about 130,000 full-time equivalent um, staff um, employed by universities, and estimates of casuals vary. I've heard the figure of 70,000 um, across the country. Um, the reason that we don't really know is because universities themselves often don't keep uh, records of how many casual staff they have on the books. Some casual staff will get work one semester, but not another. So um, it's a huge part of the university's workforce. It's also estimated that most of the university's teaching today is actually done by casual academics. So um, they're, as I said, they're a vital part of the workforce. Um, they have been um, joining the NTU in significant numbers uh, in recent months in response to the um, anxiety they have about the future of their employment in the sector um, and they um, make up a significant number of the activists in the Vote No campaign um, on universities around the country uh, and uh, they, are, they are arguing that uh, uh, this framework presents a, a false counterposition um, between um, casual and full-time jobs uh, and that uh, the solutions offered by this framework are not solutions um, that we need to 
um, organise um, casual uh, academics in the union and that we need to fight for their employment security, their tenure, their conditions um, through resisting the uh, the offensive, the neoliberal offensive uh, that is being pursued both by university vice-chancellors and the federal government alike. We're speaking to Nick Everett, who's a member of the Murdoch NTU branch committee. Nick, if you know, were to learn anything from history, and particularly in regard to Labor's struggle, is that at some point there needs to be some form of action, uh, particularly strike action. However, under the very onerous industrial relations legisla- legislation that's governing university workers and indeed all other workers, it's currently illegal to take strike action outside of the so-called protected bargaining period. In other words, the period when a new industrial and entre- enterprise agreement is being uh, negotiated. So a uh, a two-pronged question then. Will the No Concessions campaign be asking members to potentially undertake illegal action in pursuit of its objectives? And what form would or will industrial action take in this context of lecturers working from home and the other uh, COVID-19 restrictions? All we're concretely asking of members um, right now is to vote no when the ballot opens in a week's time next Monday. Um, from there, if we are successful in defeating um, uh, th- these measures, or whether we are successful or not, we'll need to uh, get together and discuss what we do next. Um, in terms of the um, onerous provisions of the, um, the Fair Work Act, uh, University staff can only um, take protected industrial action uh, in a protected bargaining period in a in a small window before their um, agreements are due to expire. So, for example, our Murdoch University uh, Enterprise Agreement runs until the end of next year. Our biggest concern at the moment is that um, a ostensibly temporary uh, wage cut and um, a, a cut on in uh, a whole lot of protections in the enterprise agreement uh, won't expire for um, another year, um, June next year, uh, and then we'll be going into a bargaining period in a much worse position. So by defeating this framework now, we have more chance of um, of basically defending our organisation um, and the resolve and confidence of our members to um, resist um, what attacks are coming down the line um, in this sector. Um, certainly, I don't think that industrial action should be off the agenda. I think we need to have a concrete discussion about that, discuss what we can do. Um, one, I think, most practical measure that we need to do and we need to be doing now is to um, push back against the um, shift of workloads from casual staff who are losing their jobs onto full-time teaching staff. Um, and uh, there are mechanisms that we can... Uh, pursue um, to do that, which may get around the um, provisions of the Fair Work Act, um, may not, but that that's a discussion, a concrete discussion that uh, union members need to be engaged in and to have, and uh, should this framework be implemented, um, that would be a drastic setback for us to um, to launch that campaign of resistance.
Nick, just finally, before I let you go, obviously, uh, you, you know, you're very much involved in the university sector as an NTU uh, member of a branch committee and organiser. But of course, uh, this is only one part of a much bigger puzzle, and that is, you know, the implications of uh, the COVID-19 and austerity measures that I'm sure we will uh, all be facing, as well as the potential uh, recession that we're heading towards. And we shouldn't even say potential anymore, the recession that we're going to be heading into with higher levels of unemployment and so forth. May I just f- uh, finally ask you, to, uh, if you if you will, to sort of uh, put it, you know, stare into your crystal ball to some extent in terms of do you see a, a heightened level of union organising and activity and, and what perhaps uh, can be done in the, in the coming months as certainly the, the federal liberal, liberal government starts to uh, attack workers and, uh, you know, and introduce further austerity measures in order to pay for all the spending around COVID-19. What, what do you see uh, can be done or what do you see happening already, particularly within the union, the more broader union movement? Yep. So um, basically, I think the situation is one in which the federal government is asking uh, ordinary workers to bear the um, brunt and costs of this crisis and not employers. Um, and we're, we're seeing that in a number of ways. Most concerningly, though, we're seeing um, the Australian Council of Trade Unions, the ACTU leadership, uh, and some of its affiliated unions working with employers to reduce conditions of employment. Just to cite a couple of examples, the um, SDA uh, Shop Distributors Association that covers uh, workers in fast food outlets proposed to McDonald's um, a cut in their conditions of employment. Um, thankfully, that was actually rejected by um, the by Fair Work, but uh, nonetheless put forward by their employer. We've seen the Victorian um, construction uh, union, uh, once a quite militant union, um, suggest that workers should, um, that not only should employers keep construction sites open during the pandemic in Melbourne, but that they should actually allow uh, 24-7 operations, which has obvious um, implications for workers' health and safety. And we've also seen the United Workers' Union agree to allegedly temporary cuts to paying conditions to awards covering hospitality workers. So these are all quite um, negative signs. I think um, the fight that we're having in the NTU now is um, presents an example for, for workers everywhere that we can push back against this. Um, we last week we met last Wednesday night with a national meeting, um, and we had more than the 300 members we could allow in our um, Zoom meeting. Um, so it's it's just an indication that even uh, in situations in which we're forced into organising online and not able to organise face to face, there's a there's a willingness amongst uh, workers to fight these measures. Um, and I think that that um, can only continue going forward. So uh, if there are any um, listeners who are members of the National Tertiary Education Union um, or who are working on university campuses, you can get in touch with us by um, searching for NTU Fight Back on Facebook and you'll find our page and links to resources. Um, so I'd really encourage you to get in touch with a campaign or even if you're not working on a university but you want to express your support, find out what you can do in your own union, uh, please get in touch.